0: Log Talk Radio. Challenging, thought-provoking, insightful. This is the Ninja Pastor with Sunday's God in Country with Dr. Sean, hosted by nationally known speaker, Reverend Dr. Sean Michael Greener. Not your typical reverend, Dr. Sean is a proud U.S. military veteran, former law enforcement officer founder of the internationally regarded executive protection team. Through his riveting national speaking, this ninja pastor tells it like it is. This show is biblically and politically engaged in the battle to save our country with a pedal to the metal with this Sunday's edition of Sundays with Dr. Sean. Buckle up, here's your host, the author of the critically acclaimed book, excellence killed the church, how mediocrity is destroying America, Reverend Dr. Sean, the Ninja Pastor, with today's message.
1: Welcome, welcome, welcome. Welcome to the live audience who, as you know, we believe in eating here, and so uh, we don't want anybody to starve to death on our watch, so it appears as though there's some sort of silk chocolate chocolate pie going around. God help you, it's delicious from what I hear. From what I hear, I wouldn't know personally. Who brought it? Anybody know? Oh, uh, might have to, I might have to get me some. Uh, if there is any, which there probably isn't. There's a lot of smiley, chocolatey faces in here. Hey folks, thank you for joining us. We really uh, we have a good time here. If you're in the Delaware, Maryland, Pennsylvania, New Jersey, and even New York area, uh, you're close enough to come see Go to the website uh or theninjapastor.com and contact us through the contact us page, and we will give you directions on how to get here. We'll be here next Sunday. We also broadcast. Um, but by the way, chat is hope is open. Happy New Year to all of y'all! Thank you for joining us. It's great to have you. Um, we want to say there's a lot of folks that are that are ill right now, and we just uh, want well, you know you're we're in. You're in our prayers, and uh, also for our soldiers overseas, we really are thinking of you right now, and we miss you here. We can't wait for you to come home safely. For the Gold Star families that just became, sadly, Gold Star families over the holidays, we uh, we know how difficult that is anyway, but then when you add on to it the holidays, and then there's others that have lost relatives, all of that. Thank you very much. Uh, it's very thoughtful of you. Uh, relatives who have uh, lost been lost in the holidays, it's tough, it's a tough time, and so we think of you, and we pray uh, also for uh, Carson, continue prayers for him, also for my buddy Eric, uh, and then also uh, Chris Kahalen is home, believe it or not, and he's on his pump, and uh, he's got health aids coming, and his kids are his nurses, and his wife is you know, trying to stay healthy, everybody's trying to stay healthy, and uh, hopefully everything will work, and we're glad to see our, our brother Don here tonight. So we're blessed in many ways. We have a lot of answers to prayer in 2015. Tomorrow, join us for our broadcast tomorrow. Uh, yeah, I know. Chat is saying they're they're hungry for pie. Now they've really. <laughs> I'm telling you, you need to come see us. If if well, this is the way we eat every single week, it's unbelievable. Air quotes light snacks we have, but it never works that way. So five o'clock, we eat and then uh, come. Uh, Come 5:30, we come live here. So we're glad, 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 glad that um, you know that to have you. Any any visitors, we love having visitors. So wasted moments. 2015 was 365 days. It was 12 months. It was 52 weeks. January 1st, 2015 might be long forgotten as were your resolutions. Well, why didn't you keep them? Last week I taught that it might be because your resolutions might not have been for you. They might not have been God's will for you. We must be resolved as a resolution. Most folks choose to do what is doable, what is achievable, they do. They do what is acceptable societally. Maybe you should think about a different but not old way of being resolved. Isn't it time? The calendar is not your friend. The clock is ticking. So what do people say uh you know at de- December 31st and then that next second is is January 1st December 31st 2015 January 1st 2016 it's really one second countless greeting cards that get sent throughout the christmas and new year uh time the hanukkah time as well they get sent through the mails you know what are the mails they're emails text twitter linkedin instagram I don't know, there's so many others. Snapchat, I don't know, I can't even keep up with all that. I know, yeah, the, the U.S. mail, it's all less fails. People still use that, right, the mail? They say salutations and celebrations. What do people say? They say this, Happy New Year, right, every time. And there's, there's fireworks over in Dubai. They had that hotel at the address. It's an hotel. Literally within reach, blocks, really, of uh, the world's tallest building, which they had the world's most elaborate uh, fireworks display. Amazing uh, how they could do it over in uh, Abu Dhabi. They they were able while they're fighting a uh, high-rise fire, a really serious high-rise fire, they're having fireworks just blocks away, and they managed to pull that off. I don't know how they did that, but it's pretty impressive. But everybody all around the world saying Happy New Year. But you see, the New Year is not really new. While the new year number may be new, nothing else is new. Nothing else is really new. How long, by the way, before uh, in 2016, how long into 2016 will it be before you don't have to scratch out 2015 and write 2016? How long does it take most people? Yeah, like me, it takes a couple of months, half the time, I don't even know what year it is anyway. So you'll be scratching out uh, 2015 and Right two thousand sixteen. Now I have a traumatic brain injury. I don't know what your excuse is, but uh in all fairness I did that before the brain injury. So so while we tell one another through strained, hopeful smiles to have happy new year and we hope the new year will be better than the previous year. Well in reality the external passing of time marked as december thirty first of twenty fifteen. Rolling into January 1st, 2016, and aside from a momentary, and I said this before, it's literally one second opportunity to begin something on the 1st, actually nothing really changes. While potentially millions of hopeful people all around the world shouted Happy New Year in whatever language they speak, they awaken to the same old burdens as before. They awaken to the same hurts, habits, and hang-ups. Instead of a happy new year, for many it was a terrible hangover that they were remembering. Or maybe they were just trying to forget the hangover. Maybe it was just their year that they were trying to forget. There is no magic hour at midnight that suddenly, for that matter, magic second, really, because the difference between one year and another year is literally one second. But there's no magic point of time at midnight that suddenly and magically ushers in utopia into a life with hurts, habits, and hang-ups. But on some level, we hope maybe this year, things will be different. And of course, by things, we mean external things, circumstances. Talk about today, in order for things to change, we must change. We must change first. Change is internal first, isn't it? The good news about that is that as a, air quotes, born-again Christian, you can change. In fact, let's be real here. It's not only that you can change. As a Christian, you are expected to change. One of the things I'd like you to change, if you don't listen to our Monday show at 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, every single Monday, The Collision of Faith and Politics with the Ninja Pastor, I'd like you to change that and listen to that. Same channel. Pass out the, the word. Tell your friends. We're looking to grow the show in 2016. But you see, that good news is as a born-again Christian, you can change. You have the capacity to change. But let's be real here. It's not only that you can change. As a Christian, you are expected to change. And I'm sure of this, that the one who began a good work among you will keep it growing until it is completed on the day of the Messiah Yeshua. Philippians one six in the complete Jewish Bible says that that is true. But it's true if... You can get on the same page. If, however, you have not given your life to Christ, things are a bit different for you. And I know there's people all around the world. We have people listening all around the world right now. It's so fascinating. I get letters every single week. And we have a a whole new bunch of folks that are listening in in other parts of the world that just blow my mind. I don't know how that's the amazing thing about the Internet is somehow or another they find out about the show and they listen. And they tell their friends, and then it kind of grows, and we have these little pockets all over the world where people listen. And that, to me, is just a really, really cool thing. But see, the thing is, is I know that there's people that listen to this show. I know everyone in this room, and I know the condition of your heart, and I know that you you are a follower of Christ. You're a follower of the way. But the fact is, the fact is, is in the radio audience all around the world, we know that there are people that have not placed their faith in Christ. In fact, we have a very prominent Atheist, God bless you and welcome you. We thank you for joining us. But uh, we have a very prominent atheist, atheist, who listens to the show that I know hasn't placed their faith in Christ. And we pray always that the Lord will touch their heart through not just my words, but God's meaning, God's intent and God's meaning. So we'll come back to that in a little bit. Prior to acceptance of Christ, though, you were unable to make real-life changes for the better. You were unable to do the good works God prepared in advance for you to do. But why? Why were you unable? Because you were under the authority of the ruler of this world. You were under the dominion of sin, and all the willpower in the world is insufficient without Christ. But with God, all things are possible. Possible, but not guaranteed. But now, they're possible. If you place your faith in Christ, all things are possible. Possible. Not guaranteed. Possible. There's something you have to do. one thirteen tells us that we have been delivered from the domain of darkness and transferred into the kingdom of the light of His Son. It, verse 13 says, and I'll give you 14, 15, 16, and 17 as a bonus, free of charge, no cost or obligation to you. He has rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of His dear Son. It is through His Son that we have redemption. That is... Our sins have been forgiven. He is the visible image of the invisible God. He is supreme over all creation, because in connection with him were created all things, in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones, lordships, rulers, or authorities, they all have been created through him and for him. He existed before all things. He holds everything together. You see, we're now able to grasp His plan for us and strive with His power and the Holy Spirit in us to make changes. Sometimes we allow ourselves to be defeated before we even start. I I think it's because we don't fully grasp this fact. The fact that we are a new creation and that we are now operating under a new system. See, it's this way you got to believe this fully. Not some, but fully. You have to believe and live this full without hesitation. If it's not all, it's not any. But what makes a new year a happy new year? Well, I think it's the new birth. It's the new birth talked about in John 3, 3-5. through Yes, indeed, Yeshua answered him. That's Jesus. Uh, that's his real name. I tell you that unless a person is born again from above, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Naktimon, or as you know it in English, but not really his name, not even remotely close, Nicodemus said to him, How can a grown man be born? Can he go back into his mother's womb and be born a second time? Yeshua answered, Yes, indeed. I tell you that unless a person is born from water and spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. But what does unless mean? Yes, indeed, I tell you that unless a person is born from water and spirit, he cannot. Unless and until he cannot. Unless means necessity of the new birth. It's necessary. Unless you do what is necessary, you become born again. The new birth, when you're born, what happens at the end of your life? You're born, but what happens at the end of your life? You die. A new birth is what I would call a great opportunity to start over in your life. Many have dreamed of the opportunity of starting over again. Haven't we all? We've all thought of that. Man, when we have a severe fumble, we want to start over. Right in the we have coaches that make a huge amount of money. And Cleveland, I'm guessing, Cleveland Browns coach is going to be fired. I'm sure he's probably already been fired. You know, they keep trying to start over, start over. Not since Marty Schottenheimer many, many years ago did they have a winning season. It's pitiful. This guy was 3-26, this guy. Pettis, I think, is name is. God help him. He's going to have to get a new start and another job somewhere else because they're going to fire him. The New York Giants, I think they they fired their coach for a new start. They want to start over. We, we look at leadership as it takes over other other companies and different organizations. When they look for new leadership, they look for a new start. They look for new people to get a new start, to do something, do something better. It's the, it's the dream of the opportunity of starting over again. But let me just tell you first what the new birth is not. The new birth is not baptism. Look, you don't get reborn by being dunked. I always talk about baptism versus immersion. Uh you know, baptism is not a sprinkle, it's not a it's not a running through the sprinkler, it's not somebody drizzling something over your head, it's being immersed. It's going all the way under. Remember last week we talked about that. Listen, you're not going to be reborn by being dunked underwater. Water is not going to make this happen for you. It is not reformation. You don't get reborn by adopting some complex or even arcane theology or even after 11 years of postgraduate theological education. You don't get reborn from reformation. No. The only way, the only way the true new birth takes place upon receiving Christ by faith John one twelve reads this way, But to as many as did receive Him, to those who put their trust, what did they do? They received Him. They put their trust in His person and power. He gave the right to those, as many as did this, He gave the right to become children of God. Not to be, but to become children of God. He gave them the right to become children of God. Not because of bloodline, physical impulse, or human intention, but because of God. You can find that in John one twelve through 12-13. I read the complete Jewish Bible. Here's John 3.16. I'll read you 3.17 just for fun. For God so loved the world that he gave his only and unique son so that everyone who trusts in him may have eternal life instead of being utterly destroyed. For God did not send the Son, into the world, to judge the world, but rather so that through Him the world might be saved. Now listen, I'm going to clarify that passage. That passage is so often misinterpreted. Yeshua wasn't sent in the world to judge. People cling on to that. That wasn't Yeshua's mission. He wasn't sent into the world to judge. That wasn't His mission. That wasn't the game plan. Yeshua's mission was to save you and me if we receive salvation. And many anti-Christian liberals and sadly many allegedly conservative pastors and Christians misuse this passage of reality of behavior and actions from the Christian life and walk. They use it to tell us, no, 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 we we don't look at what we do ourselves and we don't look at what others do. We don't judge. It's all about not judging, right? Somebody does some crazy thing, unless you're a conservative being judged by a liberal. The liberals apparently can always judge a conservative's actions. In fact, I think it's their mission in life. So I I used a word, the new walk, Romans 6.14. For sin will not have authority over you because you're not under legalism, but under grace. There's no one more miserable than the believer who does not Live right. Now, for those who weren't raised up in church, your walk, air quotes, your walk, that's a euphemism. That means how you live and interact with Adonai. That means do you live right? Do you live wrong? It's your walk with the Lord, good or bad. It's your walk. And you know what? Here's the truth. Some of us walk with a limp. Some of us drag a lame leg or a lame foot. Some of us wander off a straight line. But our walk with the Lord, it's tough sometimes to walk with the Lord. We think, we feel. Let's see the contrast between the old walk and the new, the flesh and the Spirit. Galatians five sixteen through 23 has a lot to say about this. I'm going to read it to you just for fun. Just for fun doesn't cost you a dime or up any more. What I am saying is this. Run your lives by the Spirit. Have you ever read that verse in that? sort of uh, rhythm, run your lives by the Spirit. Run your life. Who runs your life? People say, I became a Christian and God didn't do anything new for me. It didn't work for me. I tried and it didn't work for me. It's something you aren't doing. Because the passage here says what I'm saying is this, run your lives by the Spirit. Then you will not do what your old nature wants. For the old nature wants what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit wants what is contrary to the old nature. Those, These oppose each other, so that you find yourselves unable. Did you hear that? So that you find yourself unable to carry out your good intentions. What do they say about the road to hell? It's paved with good intentions. Verse 18 says, But if you are led by the Spirit, then you are not in subjection to the system that results from perverting the Torah into legalism. That if is one of the biggest words ever, the biggest words ever in Scripture. If you are led by the Spirit. Who determines if you're led by the Spirit? The only person, the only entity, the only living thing that determines if you're led by the Spirit is who? It's you. Verse nineteen goes on to say, and it is perfectly evident what the old nature does. It expresses itself in sexual immorality, impurity, and indecency. Involvement with the occult and with drugs and feuding and fighting and becoming jealous and get Whoa, whoa, whoa. Hold on. What what did that just say? Involvement with the occult and with drugs. So we're 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 this is scripture here, right? So we think the drug issue, the drug problems are a new thing. Guess what it wasn't? We think the occult is a new thing, but we think things like Halloween are very, very benign. But you know what? I'm here to tell you, they're not. Beloved, Halloween, I've said it before, I'll say it to my dying day, is one of the most divisive, damaging, poisonous, air quotes, holidays you could ever pay any attention to. It is absolutely the occult says any involvement expresses itself in sexual morality impurity and indecency involvement with the occult and with drugs in feuding fighting becoming jealous and getting angry in selfish and amb- what hold on what did i just read in feuding and fighting becoming jealous and getting angry hold on a second are you telling me that feuding fighting becoming jealous and getting angry selfishly ambitious envy drunkenness things like this you're telling me that's the same as orgies and drugs and the occult yes I warn you now, as I've warned you before, those who do such things will have no share in the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, humility, self-control. Nothing in the Torah stands against these things. That's Galatians 5, 16 through 23 in the complete Jewish Bible. Well, here's what the walk before and after was for the Ephesian Christians. This is Ephesians 5. I'll read some of it. So imitate God as his dear children and live a life of love, just as also the Messiah loved us. Now let me stop myself there and say this. People use this. They misinterpret this part of Scripture, this and others, that seem to indicate that we're not to fight, that we're not to... We're, you, quarreling and jealousy is not fighting to protect your family, fighting to protect the sovereignty of your neighborhood of your town, of your state, of your country. It's not the same thing. You are not quarreling with a burglar or a rapist or a murderer when they come into your home when you put a bullet through the cranium. You're not quarreling quarreling with them. You're not fighting with them. You're ending evil, and you're protecting what God has given you. I'll have more to say about that tomorrow. There should not even be mentioned sexual immorality or any kind of impurity or greed. These are utterly inappropriate for God's holy people. Also out of place are obscenity, stupid talk, and coarse language. Instead, you should be giving thanks. For of this you can be sure every sexually immoral, impure, or greedy person, that is, every idol worshiper, has no share in the kingdom of the Messiah and of God. Let no one deceive you with empty talk, for it is because of these things that God's judgment is coming on those who disobey him. So don't become partners with them. For you used to be, see, here is the before walk. Now we're talking about the new walk. For you used to be in darkness, but now united with the Lord, you are light. Live like children of the light. For the fruit of the light is in every kind of goodness, righteousness and truth, rightness and truth. Try to determine what will please the Lord. You know what? That's the biggest thing sometimes, isn't it? Trying to determine what will please the Lord. Is it that hard? No. If we really think about it, we don't have to struggle to ask ourselves, Now, I wonder if this would please the Lord. I have a problem with drinking, so I wonder if I have this other bottle of wine. Will this please the Lord? If I have this other 12-pack, will this please the Lord? I have a struggle with pornography. If I just look at porn for twenty, thirty minutes, will this please the Lord? The obvious answer there, say it with me, is no. That's an important question to ask of ourselves sometimes, even when it's a simple, basic thing. Will this please the Lord? The expenditure of your time, will this please the Lord? If is what if, what am I we talk about to do lists. I don't do to do lists, I do RPM lists. But I'm going to talk more about RPM list tomorrow, but uh, you're asking yourself, does this benefit, this thing that I'm about to do or I'm contemplating doing, does it benefit the Lord? Does the, will the Lord be pleased in this? It's a simple question, but it makes a big difference. Have nothing to do with the deeds produced by darkness, but instead expose them. You see, it's not as simple as we like to say. You see, a scaredy-cat chicken Christian now in the in the modern the post-modern emergent church Say, now don't say nothing to him. We don't want him to stop giving his time. We don't want him to get mad with us. We don't want him to leave out of the church. So just don't say nothing to him. We let the Lord, we pray for him. Don't let the Lord deal with him. They do the same thing with politics, don't they? They've done this. There is to be a collision of faith and politics. There is always to be an intersection where they collide, faith and politics. That's what tomorrow's show is all about. The Monday show is all about that collision of faith and politics. I'm here to tell you pastors and congregants all across the nation sat in a church today and heard a namby-pamby message where we're just to get along. I know of two uh, churches in in the the tri-state area here that the pastor spent the whole time saying, listen, those of you Christians who are talking out about not taking uh, refugees, you are disobeying God. You are disobeying God to do that. And you're an embarrassment to the kingdom. Spent 20 minutes, because their sermons are only 20 minutes. They can't, their people can't stand more than 20 minutes. Or maybe they don't want to prepare more than 20 minutes. I don't know what the deal is, but somehow or another they do it. But it says here, have nothing to do with the deeds produced by darkness, but instead expose the expose them, for it is shameful to even speak of the things these people do in secret. But everything exposed to the light is revealed clearly for what it is, since anything revealed is a light. This is why it says, get up, sleeper, arise from the dead, and the Messiah will shine on you. Then verse 15 and 16, therefore pay careful attention to how you conduct your life. Live wisely, not unwisely. Use your time well, for these are evil days. I want you to understand that this passage, Ephesians 5, 1-16, the Complete Jewish Bible, verse 15 and 16, very important passage, very important aspect of the passage. Therefore, pay careful attention to how you conduct your life. Live wisely. You see, we have control over how we live our life. Sometimes we don't have control over the bad things that happen to us. We're praying right now for a man named Joe, severely injured. Sometimes things happen to us that we cause. Sometimes things happen to us that we didn't cause. My crash, I wasn't speeding, I wasn't doing anything. I didn't cause it. A boy lost his life because of what a 19-year-old driver did. And he's changed lives forever. He took a life from this earth, and he almost took mine. And he forever has cast me into this terrible pain that I have to deal with every day. He chose how to conduct his life. Accidents do happen. I'm fully aware of that. And you know, bad things happen. My buddy Chris ate healthfully. My buddy Eric lived a clean, healthy life. He didn't ask for cancer. Eric didn't ask for cancer. Neither did Chris. But they have it. and They're fighting for the lives now. Sometimes things happen. But it says here very carefully, therefore, pay careful attention to how you conduct your life. You know, people say all the time, it's not what happens to you. It's how you react to what happens to you. It's what you do with what happens to you. By the way, shout out to our our uh, friends who are not with us—one is homesick, and the other is in Texas, the great state of Texas. We're praying for the people in Texas. Boy, they've had a rough way. Of it. Also, shout out to my good friend Rick Green—you all know of Constitution Alive and and Wall Builders Live—and he does things all across the country. And uh, great family, really, really great family. He is now running for Texas Supreme Court. He's going to. There couldn't be a better person on Texas. And let me tell you something. He does real well traveling across the country speaking. He doesn't need to be a Supreme Court judge. I'm just telling you that. But there could never be a better person. And boy, does he know the Constitution. Wouldn't it be something to have somebody in a Supreme Court across this land that actually knew the Constitution? But it says here, it reads this way, pay careful attention to to how you conduct your life. Some of us spend far too much time paying attention to how others conduct their lives and not enough time to how they conduct their own life. This next verse I want to say is a massive shout-out. A massive shout-out to proper time management. Listen. If you're a follower of Christ, if you're a follower of the way, and you can't ever get anywhere on time, you are egregiously late for everything. You have responsibilities that you never fulfill, or you rarely make it. Now, there's a difference between being overcommitted to being a yes person. You'll always say yes, and your plate is too full. In 2016, if you're a yes person, learn to say no. God doesn't want you to do everything. He wants you to do something, and something. The something He wants you to do. He wants you to do well. Don't worry about hurting people's feelings when you tell them, I'm sorry, my plate is full. I can't do that. Sometimes, you know what you need? You need, if you're that person that's been doing a thousand things for everybody else, sometimes you need to step back and take a breather. Sometimes you need to spend time in the Word and say, you know what? I I can't do any more stuff. I've got to heal. I've got to catch my breath. Let me tell you what. If you're that person, God will get a hold of you and he'll find a way to slow you down. Rick Green, I mentioned Rick Green. The morning before, and that fellow right there, the morning before my car crash, the Wednesday before, Rick Green called me, and he said, Lord, the Lord has really put on my heart, really put on my heart for you, that you need to be doing what I'm doing, Sean. You need to be traveling around the country. You need to be doing DVDs and preaching all across the country, and, and you need to write a book, and you need to just do all this stuff. Do what we do. You could do it. You know, but the Lord's really been on me about that and and I just thought I'd call you and tell you he was on a layover on his way back home to Texas. And you know what I said to him? I said, You know what? I don't have time. Brother, I love you, man, but you don't have any idea what my schedule's like. I'm trying to run businesses and keep up with this, that, and the other thing, and there's just no way I'm a plate is too full. I just don't have time. Lord will make time, won't he? The Lord will make time in your space. A whole lot easier just to say yay to the Lord. If the Lord's telling you, do it. Don't wait. The Lord will not give you 100,000 things to do so that you never have time with your family, so that you never have time to eat right. People say, you know, I see huge overweight pastors, and they, they say all the time, oh, but you know what, I'm working on it, and they laugh. They say, I do love my banana cream pie. I love this and that. I love my brownies. Love me. And They chuckle and they laugh about it. And half the time, they don't speak about gluttony, the sin of gluttony. And they use an excuse. They say, I'm too busy doing the Lord's work. I'm so busy. I'm traveling around. The Lord won't have you so busy that you kill yourself with food. Note to self. The difference between day and night, Romans 13, 11 through 14. Besides all this, you know at what point of history, by the way, welcome to a guest we have listening, first time listening. Uh, I, I love that. I love that. Let me know what you think of it. We have someone from Hawaii listening, by the way. How cool is that? Aloha. Obama's there. I bet you're listening because you got nothing else to do because you're stuck in your house. Obama's got you locked down. Nice of him to go on that vacation, isn't it? Poor guy. Besides all this, you know at, at what? what at what point of history we stand. So it is high time for you to rouse yourself from sleep. What did I just say? The end of that last passage, use your time well, for these are evil days. Folks, you have to be an efficient person. You have to find your way to be an efficient person. Excuse me. My daughter is in veterinary medical school, and she's going to be a veterinarian. And she has told me, she said, Dad, this is the hardest thing I've ever done. It is so much work coming at you. We have a physician in the house. Um, It's, you know what, it's just coming at you all the time. And it seems like it's impossible. It really, she told me, she said, do they really expect us to know all this? To be able to save animals' lives, do they really expect us to know all this? Yes, they do. And you know what happens is exceptional people are exceptional at managing their time. Use your time wisely, for these are evil days. This is the difference between day and night. Besides all this, you know at what point in history we stand. So it is high time for you to rouse yourself from sleep, for the final deliverance is nearer than when we first came to trust, folks. The clock is ticking, and the clock is not on your side. The night is almost over. The day is almost here. So let us put aside the deeds of darkness, folks. This is Romans 13, through 14. The night is almost over. The day is almost here. So let us put aside the deeds of the darkness and arm ourselves with the weapons of light. Let us live properly. What's that? What's that thing they use? In, I'm going to admit right here and now. I have never seen Star Wars or Star Trek. Never seen either one of those. I'm not against either one. I just never have seen it. What's the thing? The lightsaber. Yeah. Yeah. Weapons of light. Why wouldn't you love that, something like that? Let us, it's always about weapons for me, isn't it? Let us live properly as people do in the daytime, not partying and getting drunk, not engaging in sexual immorality and other excesses, not quarreling, being jealous. Isn't that ironic that the, the writer of this, of Romans, actually goes to the trouble after talking about Sexual immorality, getting drunk, parting, doing things like that, to talk about quarreling and being jealous. Haven't we heard that before? Just tonight we heard about quarreling and being fussy and being jealous. Folks, they're mentioned a lot because they're a big deal. They're a big deal, quarreling. You know, the Republican Party and conservatives in general, it's like a circular firing squad. Ready, aim, 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 aim. When they finally fire, who do they do? They shoot themselves, and they shoot us in the process. We shouldn't stand for it. We shouldn't stand for it, but we do. Why? Because it's easier to be quiet, right? It's easier to not expose, to just grumble about it than to expose it and do something about it. This election, I'm going to tell you, beloved, this election is the most important election of our time if we fail as a country. Mark my words. But we're not to quarrel or be jealous. Instead, clothe yourselves with the Lord Yeshua, the Messiah, and don't waste your time thinking about how to provide for the sinful desires of your old nature. Well, what do we do? I talked about the walk, what the walk is. To practice the new walk, you must, you must, you must feed the new man, the new you. 2 Peter 2, 1 through 3 talks about this. But among the people there were also false prophets, just as there will be false teachers, Among you, under false pretenses, what have we got a guy? Hope and change. Hope and change. He traveled around the world talking bad about America, waving his hand, talking about it's going to be hope and change, hope and change. So much better when I become president. I'm going to unite the world. I'm going to be the president of the world. And what happened? Nobel gave him a peace prize before he had done a thing. How egregious. How demeaning for the prize that was once revered. You talk about false prophets. I said uh, years ago, before the man even became president, I said, mark my words, he will absolutely, when the point comes that there is no political loss to him, he will absolutely come for conservatives' weapons. He will make an attempt to disarm the United States of America. I, I, for one, won't stand for it. Because what has happened in history when folks have laid down their guns, taken them to the government authorities and said, okay, we believe you, government. We believe you. We're going we're gonna to hand over our guns. This is why the Center for Self-Governance is so important, folks. It is so important. Because it teaches you what the government really is, and it teaches you that you to be a person who lives and embodies self-governance. If we as a nation of citizens were self-governing, the government would be irrelevant. Anyhow, false prophets, just as there will be false teachers among you, under false pretenses they will introduce destructive heresies, even denying the master who bought them, and thus bring on themselves swift destruction. Many will follow their debaucheries, and because of them the true way will be maligned. Isn't that something right now? The truth seems to be offensive to so many. The truth is so obvious to us, and yet to so many, it is so offensive. What do they call it now? They call it microaggression on college campuses. That's the new thing, microaggression. Even a face you make might be deemed microaggressive. Yeah. If you're a Muslim and you have a bad day, people die. And because of them, the true way will be maligned. Isn't that what we were told? We were told, you know what, this happens. This happens to us, folks. We get our ears tickled. You know, I mentioned about drugs a while ago, and I want to go back to something. How many of you know who Natalie Cole is? Anybody really has listened to music for any period of time. Natalie Cole, 65 years old. She died, I think it was yesterday. What did she die? She had a life of drug abuse. She'd been in rehab many, many times. Um, it's a shame. It's, it's just a terrible, terrible tragedy. Not because she was so talented, but because of her talent, she had the opportunity to reach so many people, and yet she didn't. And she died, a very young person, 65 years old, is 15 years for me from now. I think that's too young. Drugs and debauchery and all these other things when so much hope she had. So much opportunity. Mm. In their greed, they will exploit you. Fabricated stories. Their punishment, decreed long ago, is not idle. Their destruction is not sleep. Folks, that's Second Peter 2, 1 through 3. To practice the new walk, you must reckon yourself dead with Christ and alive with him. This is Romans six. So then are we to say, let's keep on sinning so that there can be more grace? Heaven forbid, how can we? Who have died how can we who have died to sin still live in it? Don't you know that those of us who have been, here's that word again, immersed into the Messiah Yeshua, have been immersed into his death through Immersion into his death, we were buried with him. So that just as through the glory of the Father, the Messiah was raised from the dead, likewise we too might live a new life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we will also be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was put to death on the execution stake with him, so that the entire body of our sinful propensities might be destroyed and we might no longer be enslaved to sin. This is verse 7. For someone who has died has been cleared from sin. Now, since we died with the Messiah, we trust that we are also we will also live with him. We know that the Messiah has been raised from the dead never to die again. Death has no authority over him. It was a unique event that need not be repeated. But his life keeps on living. For God, in the same way, consider yourselves to be dead to sin, but alive for God, by your union with the Messiah, Yeshua. Therefore, do not let sin rule in your mortal body so that it makes you obey its desires. And do not offer any part of yourselves to sin as an instrument for wickedness. On the contrary, offer yourselves to God as people alive from the dead, and your various parts to God as instruments for righteousness. For sin will not have authority over you, because you are not under legalism, but under grace. I'm going to skip down to 19. And and the note here in the writer, I am using popular language because your human nature is so weak. For just as you used to offer your various parts as slaves to impurity and lawlessness, which led to more lawlessness. So now you so now offer your various parts as slaves to righteousness, which leads to being made holy, set apart for God. For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in relationship to righteousness. But what benefit did you derive from the things of which you are now ashamed? The end result of those things was death. However, verse 22 Now, freed from sin and enslaved to God, you do get the benefit. It consists of being made holy, set apart for God, and its end result is eternal life. For what one earns from sin is death, but eternal life is what one receives as a free gift from God in union with the Messiah Yeshua, our Lord. Well, what's the new goal? We say we have to have new goals. We have to have a new resolution. I say resolution ought to change from the word resolution or unless change it. I am resolved. What do I say all the time? Decide, resolve, and then stand. Folks, you can't stand for anything if you haven't made a decision as to what you are resolved to. You can't do it. You can't do it. If you're on the fence about something, you can't take a stand for it. So many people in America today and sadly in pulpits across America today, they haven't made pastors all across America haven't truly decided what they stand for, what they're willing to lose their job to preach. And thereby the sheep are being led by the millions astray. The new goal. It says in Philippians three thirteen and fourteen, we're to have a new goal. Brothers, I for my part do not think of myself as having gotten hold of it, but one thing I do Forgetting what is behind me, straining forward to what lies ahead, I keep pursuing the goal in order to win the prize offered by God's upward calling in the Messiah Yeshua. I don't want to skip over this. In the middle of that passage it says, Forgetting what is behind me, but one thing I do, Paul says, one thing I do, forgetting what is behind me and straining forward to what lies ahead, I keep pursuing the goal. Folks, you can't drive safely, never looking ahead, always looking in the rearview mirror. You know what's going to happen. I talked about this last week. Your car is going to go off the road. You're going to either hit a pole or you're going to end up in a ditch. You can't drive forward while looking back. Look, it's important to learn from your history and move forward. I do a sermon. It's on iTunes and it's on TheNinjaPastor.com and all these other places. It's called Hunting dead lions i encourage you if you're a person who just can't seem to stop looking in the past and you can't seem to move beneficially forward then listen to that sermon it's only about 41 minutes long i doubt that i don't think i've done anything in 41 minutes maybe it's 56 or 58 minutes long i think they said i had an hour and was i preached it live out in ohio at a church in ohio and i think i might have gone over i don't know we'll just see I wasn't on the radio then, so we didn't have these strict times. But anyway, right. the point is Hunting Deadlines. There's no commercials or nothing like that. It's free of charge. You don't have to listen to it. But Google that Hunting Deadlines by Dr. Sean Greener. That'll help I you. Believe I it'll believe it'll be a, be a benefit I and a believe. blessing. Forgetting what is behind me and straining forward. It's not easy. I say this every week, and I mean it every week. No matter where I speak or where I preach, all across the country. I say this every time I'm asked, you become a, a Christian, a follower of the way, it ain't going to be easy. And I'm not going to paint a, a fake thing. Every person in this room has suffered loss, sorrow, and sadness. Every person. Every single person in this room and every single person in our audience. <laughs> Somebody just said, you must have been to my church this morning, somebody in chat, when I was talking about what the pastors were saying. Welcome, by the way. I haven't seen you here before, and we're just so glad to have you. And tell us, by the way, in chat, how you learned of this show. Um, And tell your friends. Straining forward toward what lies ahead. You know, sometimes we can't see clearly the goal that Adonai Elohim has set for us, can we? Sometimes we can't see it. We can't see it. Did Moshe, or as some people call him Moses, did Moshe see the Promised Land? Did he ever get to go in it? No. He was just on that ledge, but yet he kept, he kept pushing forward and pushing forward all the way up to. But God has said, "Hey, you do this, and I will give you paradise." I, sometimes I think what I would ask Moshe when when I get to heaven, and just ask him, "How did that feel? You're, you man, you're." You're varsity all the way. You're starting varsity, and you're you're on the basketball court, and you're doing everything you're supposed to do. And, and, yeah, okay, you falter a little bit here and there with the game plan, but you do a great thing. You lead these whining people to the promised land. 11-day journey is, ends up being 40 years wandering around in the wilderness. Talk about your slow learner. Why don't you ask for directions, Moshe? You know? the If you... They were following a pillar of fire. Or as we'd say, downstate Delaware, far, pillar of far. What do you do for a living? I'm a far fighter. All right. So you don't go places that are a long distance away? or That's what they say. I, I grew up there. I could easily talk like that. Um, very obvious. He slips into the country a little too quick, don't he? But you strain forward to what lies ahead, and sometimes you don't see it. Sometimes you don't see it. What does he say? What does the apostle say? He says, I keep pursuing the goal in order to win the prize offered by God's upward calling in the Messiah, Yeshua. Paul had past goals. He didn't achieve all of them, but he had them. Shaul, which is his real name. Paul wasn't his actual name, but we made up a name. We'll call him Paul. We'll call him Paul. Uh, You know, he... Let's think about this. You know, before he he had his come-to-Jesus moment, he had gold. They weren't all bad. Sha'ul, we talk about Shaul as though prior to his conversion to Christ, he was this awful human being. And yes, he he held the coats for the stoning of Stephen. He did a lot of bad things. But he was a Pharisee's Pharisee. He, he knew Scripture better than I'll ever know. And yet God got a hold of him. He had some goals before. What are my past goals? My past goals aren't what they are now. And I might have a goal today that a year from now, next January, if God tarries or he keeps me here on this planet, that I'll say, you know, I don't know why I had that goal. That goal wasn't right for me. Paul had past sins and failures. He had hurts, habits, and hang-ups. So did I. So do I. You know what also Shaul had? He had past victories. He did good things before, but that's in the past. Shaul was willing to forget all that may hinder him in his life for Christ. The question is, are you? Are you willing to truly be effective for Christ? Are you willing to forget all that crap that drags you down? It drags you down. It slows you down. It keeps you from pulling the trigger on certain things. The hurts, habits, and hang the junk that you keep piling on your own back, are you willing to let those things go? Because it's hindering your life for Christ. Are you willing to let them go and move forward? Do you have a new goal, becoming a Christian? Some of the folks in this room have been a Christian for 20, 30, 40, 50 years. You've been a follower of Christ for all that time. Some have been a follower of Christ in our audience. Uh, I got a letter, or letter, who gets letters? Email. I got an email last week from someone that's been listening, been listening uh, for about a year. Uh, He came to Christ uh, about maybe three months into listening. I'm not saying it had anything to do with this broadcast, but I'm saying that he came to Christ and he said, man, everything is so different now. It's so different now. I have so many different priorities. I have so many different goals and that brings a question does the goal you have do you have new goals since becoming a christian does that goal have priority in your life are you willing to say these are what god has given me to achieve and these are my priority and i'm not going to allow anybody to keep me from achieving what god has set before me have you ever known a person that's very successful at achieving great things, and you know, you see these great things that they do, but then you meet them in person, and they seem so focused, so intense, just so laser focused. Sometimes they're a little distracted, it seems. Or you think, well, they're not very nice. Then I met so and so; he wasn't very nice at all. He didn't. He, wasn't, he didn't speak to me. You know, people meet pastor that travels around the country. This is, you know, I'd always try to shake everybody's hand. I do book signings and stuff. I always try to shake everybody's hand. I always try to. You know, do a personal signature on everybody's book. And and uh, my publicist, my original publicist said, hey, look, man, yeah, I appreciate you want to do that. But guess what? When there's 300 people in the line trying to buy your book, you don't want 150 or 180 of them to go, you know what? This guy's taking too long. I don't have time. They go put their book down on some table and walk away. You want them to buy your book. So you've got to be quick. Develop a author's signature, a famous guy's signature. And off you go, you know. This is what they tell me. This is what they tell me. But you know what? I'll I'll tell you this. I will tell you this. It, it, It appears to me that God had a different plan for me in my life. And it appears to me, for whatever reason, that was important for me to say, this is what God wants me to do. He wants me to write a personal thing. He wants me to shake hands. He wants me to speak to each person, however long the line is. I, I don't know why. I don't, I don't know why, but he really has given that to me. And I've been so blessed by that. You know, sometimes after you speak, you're exhausted. I normally am. I'm normally super, super tired. I have to tell you, when I shake hands with people and they tell me, wow, that really was a blessing to me, you know, I've been needing to hear that. We've had some people, um, somebody said here, uh new listener said they stumbled across this broadcast and they let people know by tweeting and Facebooking the show. Thank you so much. Make sure, if you're not friends with me on Facebook, go to go to Facebook.sm, or facebook.com backslash sm greener and follow me on there. It would be awesome. And at the ninjapastor.com if you're on uh, Twitter, the Twitter. I appreciate it. Listen, there was a time in my life I thought about, and this is just me being honest. This is not written down anywhere. But I thought, why in the world would I write a book? what in the world do i know i'm as jacked up a dude as you'll ever meet in your life what in the world would i do writing a book like i know something you know what's funny is is uh i had a professor tell me one time and he uh dr fraser fantastic professor he was so hard he was so he's such a hard professor never gave he's never given anybody a 100 ever 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 i got a 99 from him that's best i could do and dr Frazier, me all the time he's been a very very an excellent mentor. He's got two doctorates. Uh, he's got a doctorate in theology and a doctorate in something else. Uh, I think biblical languages. And maybe he has three. I don't know. He's a really smart guy. And he told me, he said, you know, why, what's all this worry about? writing? Why were you, What do you mean you can't? Why should you write a book? You're asking yourself, why should you write a book? You don't know everything. He said, nobody knows everything here on this side of the veil. You've got to die to know everything. And nobody reads dead people books. Dead people don't write good books. He said, just write the book. Do what God told you to do. Your goal and your priority has changed. Live according to that goal and priority if, in fact, it is from God. So he said, make that goal your priority. Write the book. But you know what I had to do? I had to forget my past in order to reach my goal. I had to forget my past. I always joke around and I say, you know, I haven't always been a pastor. I'll throw down with somebody quick. You know, hey, that's how I came up. That's that's the life I've lived. So, you know, <laughs> I tend to, they don't call me the ninja pastor for nothing. But I'll tell you, I had to forget an awful lot of stuff in order to be able to stand in front of people and preach to them what God's laid on my heart to give to you. I did, and I have to do it every single time. Every single time. What are you willing to forget of your past to achieve the goal that God's given you? See, here's the conclusion. Awful results of neglecting this truth. Here are the awful results. Look, if you have no new birth, if you're not born again, if you don't place your faith in Christ and you don't change, you don't allow Him to change you, you don't allow the Holy Spirit of God into your heart, your soul is lost. Not lost for a while, but lost for good. If you have no new walk, if you place your faith in Christ at some point in your life, and you have no new walk, if nothing changes, if you don't change anything, then guess what? Your testimony is lost. It's wasted. In fact, not only is your testimony lost, but it's a negative to the kingdom. If your testimony is lost, it's a negative to the kingdom. And you know what? If you don't make new goals you don't reap any new rewards. You don't re- you don't reap the rewards that the king has for you. And the king that I'm talking about is the king of heaven, the Messiah Yeshua of God the Father. No new rewards. You lose all that. But what happens if you act on the truth? What happens if you do the right thing, if you if you act on this truth that I've shared with you tonight? You have salvation. Oh, there's nothing sweeter. There's nothing better than salvation. There's nothing better than knowing that your eternity is assured. That you know that when you close your eyes here on this very messed up earth, you will open them to the face of Christ. We have separation. We call it sanctification in the church world. Sanctify. We're sanctified. We're set apart. We are saved and we are set apart. And we're called to do different things in different ways than the rest of the crowd. And sometimes, you know what that that means is sometimes we get made fun of. You know what? We're dedicated. When we act on this truth, we become dedicated. And I'll tell you what. Have you ever been dedicated to a task? Have you ever just, you say, you know, I'm loving what I'm doing. I am dedicated to this task. Whatever, whatever it was, you just, something clicked in you and you said, you know what? I am absolutely committed to this, and you find out that's one of those things that you're working eighteen hours, and you look down at your watch, and you say, "Man, oh man, have I been at work eighteen hours? Have I been doing this for all this time?" It's like I always say with a good book. I always be the I want I want to be the guy that writes the book that you just can't put down, and you look down at your watch. Have I been reading for four hours? You also here's just a practical result here of acting on this truth. You have the joy of living in the center of God's will. I'll tell you I I love the conversations I have with Chris Kahalin, my buddy in in Minnesota. Chris his his pursuit in his life and he's fighting pancreas cancer. He's just had one of the most serious surgeries you can ever have. He's still fighting for his life. And his biggest concern isn't healing. It isn't living. It's living in the center of God's will. He doesn't want to be on the fringe. He doesn't want to be on the edge. He wants to be in the center of God's will. I can tell you, having been there and having been far from the center of God's will, the center is better. The center is better. It's all the way better. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to tune in tomorrow to hear. There's more to this message and a series of powerful truths and current events without even a hint of political correctness. Now, starting next Sunday, I'm going to give you more to this story. Resolutions of Bible characters. What were, Where are we the only ones that make resolutions? Do you ever think about that? Resolutions of Bible characters. I'm going to give you some of the resolutions that Bible characters have made, and some of them you're going to be surprised. That's next Sunday. If the Lord tarries, that's church speak for, if the Lord don't come back, if we don't have the apocalypse and we don't end up all in in a whole different place. We'll be back here. Tell your friends. Thank you and chat. I uh, I really, 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 really appreciate the, the group of folks. There's a lot of people. And uh, thank you for sending a friend request to the Facebook. You'll be able to. My son always laughs at me, by the way. He says, Dad, what do you call it? the Facebook? And I always remind him. Do you know originally it was called the Facebook? But they dropped the the because they thought it didn't, wouldn't sell. But I like it better. How many of you listened last uh Monday to our show last Monday Did any of you hear the first 7 minutes my lands the cleaning lady got in there she found an open mic and she just went to town didn't she Did you listen Did you listen Did you need to listen You need you need to listen will you play it for her first 7 minutes she needs to hear that I have yeah I've never gotten more letters letters emails and messages about a show that I've ever done than last Monday's show first seven minutes you got to listen to that hopefully you'll be hooked but something crazy happens in the first seven minutes of the show you'll just have to listen go to the dot com it's there it's on iTunes it's also BlogTalkRadio.com dot com backslash oh yeah hold up did she leave any sweet potato pie for me no she did not But that's a hint for you now you want to listen you want to listen now you don't know what you're gonna find don't say nothing to her yo. So, uh, but listen to us there next Monday and tell your friends. And those of you who have an inclination to support what we do, uh, even in a really, really small way, it all, it all matters. Is the ninjapastor.com. There's a donate button there, and we'd love to have you help. And we always put it, <laughs> always put it right back into the ministry, so we appreciate it. Well, God bless you. Thank you so much for joining us, uh, both live and all across the world. Um, I just had a message from a lady from France. And uh she works an odd shift and she that's why she listens. She gets to listen to this uh at her job. And she said, France is a godless nation. Please pray, pray for her. us. Yeah, it's a shame. But you know what? We can no longer in America, in the United States of America, we can no longer look at France and say, Sadly, we can no longer no we can't do this. We just can't we we don't have the, the right to be arrogant and so say, you know what? They're not us because we've allowed God to be taken from everywhere, haven't we? We've allowed God to be taken from the classrooms. We've allowed God, uh, you know, it, it blows my mind. A guy can go on national television and say, hey, I'm a gay athlete, I'm a gay football player, I'm gay, and gets a call from the president. Tim Tebow quietly goes to his knee when he gets a touchdown, points to heaven, goes to his knee just for a second. And when he gets interviewed afterwards, he always gives credit to his Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Somehow or another, he's an awful human being but the gay guy gets a call and goes to the White House. I don't know. I don't know. We can no longer say we have the upper hand. Folks, I so appreciate, while you're at it, pray for Muslims too. No one needs a Savior more than them. Amen, lady. Amen. Um, I will I will say this. Uh, great, great. Thank you for tuning in tomorrow. We'll, uh, chat is very vibrant today. Very vibrant. And I'm sorry, folks, in chat, I haven't had a chance to type. But Monday's, um, I type away in chat. We have some fun. There's a whole bunch of wild folks up in chat. So uh, I didn't even know what chat was for the first. I think three or four months, people were saying to me, "Hey, why don't you open your chat, your chat room?" I'm like, "Look, I'm working in a tiny studio. You want me to build on a room? No, no, no. It's part of your it's part of your show. It's you you got this thing over here, chat. You just click on a button, and I'm like, ugh, you know. But uh, I tell you what, I really um, I really, it is fun to get the immediate feedback. And sometimes, I'll tell you what, I can't censor what comes on there. Uh, and sometimes there's some really kooks that come on there, really crazy, Cocoa for, cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. I mean, they're just out there, folks, that come on there. And then I have these atheists that follow me that aren't like the one that, that listen to me, mm-hmm. that um, they come on there, they call them trolls. I learned this. They call them trolls, and now all they do is try to mess up conservatives and different things they do so i uh it, it, but it is fun it is fun to mess with them and and um, people don't know about my past i had one fella call, call in or not call we kept calling in and then he would get on the chat and do all these really nasty things and so i have some capabilities and a past that lends itself to fighting that and so i thought about putting out his address and his name and where he works and all that stuff i was able to find out just a few minutes and so I figured I'd just send him a private message and say, hey, by the way, would you like me to come visit you at your home at such and such? I know you go to work early in the morning at such and such, but you know what? I'd be glad to come visit you in person. And you can tell me all that lovely stuff you have to say to my face. Well, you know what? He never was a problem again. He has never called back. I don't know how that happened. Sometimes you've got to get up in the bully's face, you know. You've got to get up in the bully's face. Listen, Christians, in 2016, we have got to be tougher. We have got to be tougher. We've got to have thicker skins. But having a thicker skin doesn't mean we turn away. When our Savior is maligned, we need to stand. We need to stand. We say, no, no, no. You want to poke fun? You don't make fun of my Savior. Does he need us to defend him? No. He doesn't. But should we? Absolutely. Absolutely. We need to be tougher, Christians. We need to be better prepared. We need to have food. We need to have guns, we need to have ammo, we need to be trained, we need to know how to survive the tough times. Because one of these days you're going to go to that light switch and it's not going to go on. One of these days you're going to go cook on the stove and there won't be any power to cook on the stove. Now that's a fact. That is a fact. I have a, a kind of an initiative going on right now is if you only have an electronic Bible, I'm encouraging people, save your Excuse me. Save your money and buy a real Bible, a physical Bible, because when the phone shut off, when all these things uh, shut off, you want to still be able to read the Word. That's why memorization is so important. A few weeks from now, I'm going to talk about that. I'm going to talk about memorizing the Word of God, why that's so important. It's so important. And that's one of the reasons. When the lights go off, when you don't have the Word in your hand, to be able to call upon that. Several prisoners of war, Jeremiah Denton, look up his story. He was a prisoner of war in uh, Vietnam, an amazing man of God. And he said, I thank God that my mother made me memorize Scripture because that got me through. I learned to pray by listening to my mother pray. And I learned to memorize Scripture by watching my mother quote Scripture to me. And then when I was in prison and no light for months at a time, hands bound to high behind him, he was able to pray the scriptures and sing the scriptures. You know what? We gotta to get tougher, folks. We got it too easy in this country. And I'm telling you, two thousand and sixteen will not be an easier year. It's going to be much harder. A greater challenge we have never faced. As the church and as citizens of a country that was founded on Judeo Christian values centered in Scripture, we most assuredly are in the greatest challenge of our lives. Thank you for joining us. As you notice, we went a little bit over, but we've been buying up extra time. I don't want you to panic. We've been buying up extra time so that we don't have to rush off. So uh, it won't always be a little bit over an hour, but. I didn't want to have to cut anything short today, so we we gathered up a little extra time. God bless you and keep you. Thank you for listening. Join us tomorrow at 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, and uh, we'll love to have you. In the meantime, tell tell your friends all about this. Have them join us. Have them participate. We really appreciate it.
0: Join us next time for Sundays with Dr. Sean. And please follow this show and the Collision of Faith and Politics radio show during the week at www.blogtalkradio.com forward slash The Ninja Pastor. And follow Dr. Sean on Twitter at The Ninja Pastor and on Facebook at www.facebook.com forward slash God in Country Radio and check out all the free messages, archive shows and buy Dr. Sean's critically acclaimed book, Excellence Killed the Church: How Mediocrity is Destroying America at www.drseangreener.com. Join us during the week. And in the meantime, Dr. Sean will be fighting for you and for this great country. Thank you for joining us in this fight.